Everybody and welcome to episode 212 of our Sounds Atlantic podcast. As I've mentioned before, I'm recently back from a tour across the magnificent island of Newfoundland. Well, at the beginning of my voyage that began in St. John's, I had the great pleasure once again of watching and listening to Dwayne Andrews play an afternoon session at the Mallard Cottage in the quaint and historic village of Kitty Vitty, just outside of town around the bay. He had teamed up here with Andrew Dale, who plays with the Newfoundland trio The Once, and the two took us all away to Music Wonderland for a matinee performance at this magnificent little restaurant. Now I might also mention that I watched Dwayne perform with the brilliant fiddle player Ray Leger at the East Coast Music Awards last May, and then over the summer I saw him perform at the Newfoundland Labrador Folk Festival with his incredible group Fretboard Journey, that includes Craig Young, whom we featured here last week, the incomparable Sandy Morris, and Gordon Quinton, whose music we'll feature in the near future, so do look out for that. Now, during these encounters, Dwayne and I had talked about getting together as soon as his newest project was released, and that time has now come. So with this brief introduction, I'll ask you to stay right where you're to, and I'll be right back where you're at in a figure snap. Now, in case you didn't know, I should tell you that Dwayne Andrews is a composer, producer, and artist with an international reputation. He's amassed a treasure chest of awards, national and international, including Juno Award and Artist for Art and Awards for Artist of the Year, Musician of the Year, Composer of the Year in the Jazz category, Best Original Score, Instrumental Album of the Year, Best Jazz and Best Blues Album. Best Traditional and Best Roots in Traditional Album. Most Talented Artist and Fans Choice of the Year. Well, born in 1972 in Carbonier Conception Bay, Newfoundland and Labrador, Dwayne has knit together traditional Newfoundland and Labradorian music along with his swing gypsy style of European guitar wizard Django Reinhardt. In much the same way that Reinhardt infused jazz with Manouche influences. The result is a fresh music that soars beyond the world of trad music. Dwayne grew up exposed to the island's melange of cultural influences and has developed as a guitarist, and his development as a guitarist reflects this. Well, after graduating from the Jazz Studies program at St. Avex with Honors, Dwayne spent several years studying contemporary music composition at the Conservatoire International de Paris, and at the Conservatoire National de Région in Marseille, France. His discography starts with the release of his debut solo CD, simply titled Dwayne Andrews, and that led to multiple award-winning Crocus, then Raindrops, which features a collaboration with the Atlantic String Quartet, and two albums with Cape Breton master fiddler Dwayne Cote, Dwayne Cote and Dwayne Andrews and the Empress. Other notable collaborations include Charlie's Boogie with bluegrass guitarist and 
uh, extraordinaire, Craig Young, we featured here. And uh, that evolved into Fretboard Journey with the addition of fellow Newfoundlanders Sandy Morris and Gordon Quinton, along with Craig. Playing regular Sunday sessions at Kitty Bitty with accordionist Aaron, Aaron Collis resulted in the Mallard Cottage Sessions I referenced here a little earlier and his most recent collaboration, the Juno Award-winning More Sheep, Less Sheep, Less Sleep. <laughs> that from the Swinging Bells with children's educators Aaron Power and Laura Winter. And you can find that at swingingbells.ca. In terms of Dwayne's guitar style, the German Folk World magazine concluded that the music might be best described as folk music played by a top jazz guitarist, and the result is refreshing and stunning and highly recommended. And following an appearance in the nation's capital, the Ottawa Citizen observed that it was the group's infectious version of well-known Reinhardt tunes that drew the biggest applause, but it was also the group's bubbling stew of styles on Newfoundland classics that still echoed after the last notes faded. So without further ado, I'd like to send this out especially to all of our listeners in France, and we're so happy to have them tuning in. And with that, now joining me from his home in downtown St. John's, Newfoundland, to talk about his brand new release, Jangology, is Dwayne Andrews. Dwayne Andrews, it's wonderful to be talking to you again. You know, the last time you and I talked was several years ago when we talked about several albums, including an album that you have out called Fretboard Journey, and I say that only because when you and I talked about this, this was before this Sounds Atlantic became a podcast. So I'm going to run this interview that you and I did about Fretboard Journey at some time down the road, but but after what we're going to do today, if that's okay with you. But that was that was back a few years ago, so it's been a while since I've caught up with you, and you have a brand new album out that features music from one of your favorite heroes, Django Reinhardt. Would you tell us about the album? Yes, well, I mean, thanks for having me uh, on board once again, Ron. i got to say it's always a pleasure, and it has been a while, so it's great to catch up. Um, and so, yes, this new album is called Jangology, and Django Reinhardt, uh, he was, I mean, where to even begin? I could talk forever, I think, about <laughs> him. Um, but he made most of his music in, like, between 1930 and 1950. Uh, and he was born, he was actually born in Belgium, but he spent most of his life around France. And uh, he was a guitarist who played in what's now called, like, hot jazz. You know, sort of jazz minutia is what they call it, because uh, he actually also came from a Romany or a minutia, uh, sort of cultural background, um, you know, which uh, is often referred to as, you know, the gypsy people as well. Um, so he has that uh, minutia background that he mixed with the hot jazz of uh, Louis Armstrong is a great example. So imagine like, yeah, so imagine, uh, you know, Louis Armstrong with his trumpet. But, you know, you're in a cafe in Paris in like 1930. Right. Uh and and there's this guitarist who's just completely uh you know extraordinary in in every part of his musical being you know from his imagination and the way that he could you know just come up with these exciting ideas and then the way that he played them oh and he also only had two the fingers uh, two fingers on his left hand that he had the full use of so Holy cow. even though he was like a uh, literally incredibly incredibly accomplished guitarist 
add to that the fact that he did it all with just two fingers on his left hand. Astonishing. And, um, that's a good sense of the kind of, you know, just the the impressiveness, I guess, of, of his whole spirit and the way that he approached life, uh, you know, which all comes through in his music. Mm-hmm. How did you come to Django Reinhardt? Uh, I very clearly remember uh, I was in, uh, so I used to study music in France and I'd go back like between Newfoundland and France, you know, pretty much every year for a little stretch there around uh, the, the, the turn of the millennium, I guess, <laughs> around 2000, uh-huh. late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, I was over and I was on my way to Marseille, which is in the south of France, and I had some friends in Paris who I was staying with. So I was just stopping over and uh, just, you know, randomly or by chance or fate, whatever you call it, walked into this cafe uh, downtown in, in Paris one afternoon. And um, I knew music was happening there, but I didn't know what kind of music was happening. So that's, that's what drew me in. I just saw like listings were saying a concert was happening that afternoon. I walked in and just heard the first drum of the guitar and my life changed. I was like, what is this? And then the person launched in and he was playing all Django Reinhardt music, but I didn't know at the time that that's what it was. Who was he? Uh, his name is Moreno, so he's like a modern... Because uh, Django died in, in 1953. Right. Um, and he sort of spawned different sort of generations of, of uh, disciples almost that, uh, you know, just become uh, very passionate and, and devoted to his music. Uh, so this fellow Moreno is, is one of them, and he's he's kind of from a previous generation as well, um, you know, one of the older players on the go today, and he's still mm. very active. But when I was in that cafe, I was like, what is this? And they're like, this is the jazz manouche. And uh, so then I'm walking around just stunned and kind of after the show's over, just walking around, and, you know, my friends, I go back, and I'm like, you know, think about this jazz manouche. And everyone I was, I, 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 I would meet, I was like, just trying to, you know, it became infatuated even at that point and then realized it was all coming from Django. Isn't that cool? Dwayne, what were you playing at the time? What kind of music were you playing? Trad Newfoundland music? Time. Yeah, there was, you know, a lot of trad Newfoundland music, uh, and, you know, I was a certified jazz guitar player from St. Effects, so, I mean, I, I still was playing a lot of jazz music, but it would be more, you know, bebop, so, like, Charlie Parker and Floyd's Monk, and uh, that's kind of where my, my tastes were at the time for mm-hmm. jazz guitar. But uh, at university, then, you, you studied Django at, at uh, St. Francis Xavier Exactly. University. At St. Effects, I did do the program there, and there was a jazz history course, and his name was mentioned, but just at the time, it never connected. And, you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like we sat down and listened to an afternoon of Django or anything. It was, it was just another kind of, you know, name in the history books. Uh, so it wasn't until I actually heard it that time. And that actually, well, there's a bunch of things that I remember from that time of hearing his music, especially because I was playing... Jazz, that was, you know, in the bebop world, which is kind of its own thing. And then I was playing a lot of traditional music from Newfoundland. And when I heard this style of of jazz that comes from Django Reinhardt, it was like a connection between those two worlds. So, I mean, Django's music, like jazz is usually played on, you know, horns or trumpet saxophones. Uh-huh. And even if there was a guitar player, like, say, Wes Montgomery or someone like that, they often, when they play the guitar, they play it like a saxophone. So they'll play in keys that horns, you know, are, are comfortable in, like B flat and E flat and stuff like that. And just the way that they, they're kind of imitating the sounds is from horn players. But if you listen to Django, the music is so kind of natural on the guitar. He plays in like the key of G and the key of D, and it's all acoustic. So most jazz guitar is electric, but Django is playing it acoustically. Then also, like, and I don't want to go too far up into the technical world, but 
in jazz, if you you know think of a, a tune that's in a four-four rhythm, it's like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. The accent is on two and four. But in traditional music, you know, you stomp your foot on beats one and three. Uh, and when Django plays his jazz, he stamps his foot on the one and three. So it's like I was feeling all these connections to kind of the traditional Newfoundland music in a jazz setting. So that was also another reason. Oh, fascinating. Dwayne, uh, um, you know what we'll do? Well, let's get to a track. But I, there's a whole lot of other things I want to ask you. But, but let's get to a track because I'm sure people are anxious to, 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 to listen to, to the album. Why don't we start off with the title track, Jang, uh, Jangology? Jangology, yes, which, uh, you know, of course, scientifically, I guess, means the study of Django. And, uh, but it's cute because he actually wrote this tune uh, in the early days. So in, he's also famous for uh, a group that he played with called the Hot Club of France. Uh, and he was with the violin player Stefan Grappelli. Um, and the two of them wrote a lot of tunes in, in the early years of this uh, Hot Club uh Period. So this one, I think, was it was on one of the first couple of recording sessions that they did, um, and that was remarkable at the time because in France, well, in Europe, really, at the time, I mean, jazz was still very much American music, and people, you know, Europeans weren't really accepted, or you know, didn't really have the same uh, way of playing, maybe that uh, well, matched the Americans as the way to look at it, but. Uh, when Django and Stefan started playing, like they were basically were acknowledged even by the American masters, like Duke Ellington and Sidney Bechet and the people that were in Paris at the time, they heard Django and Stefan and were like, oh yeah, you, you fellas get it. Uh, so they were one of the first non-American jazz bands really to, um, to kind of, uh, almost create their own sound that was embraced by the jazz world at the time. So that's where the tune Djangology comes from. It's from one of the early sessions that they did. That's one of their original tunes. So we're talking about the early 30s? Uh, this would be, it might have been 36 or 37. Okay, mid, mid-30s. Okay. Here it is.
Hi folks, you're listening to Ron Morris. Love this program. Keep up the great work, Ron. That's Jangology, everybody. That's time track of, of Dwayne Andrews' brand new album. And I'm speaking with Dwayne from his, I think, his home in uh, St. John's. Um, Dwayne, I wanted to ask you, uh, if, if I rolled the tape all the way back to the beginning, was the guitar your first instrument? Uh, it was my first instrument, yeah. I remember learning. Uh, so I definitely remember being around... Maybe I was in in elementary school at the time, but um, uh-huh. but my mother was learning how to play, and uh, so that was where the first guitar in the house came from. Really, your mother was learning to play the guitar. She was learning to play the guitar. So this would have been in like I oh. guess the late seventies, maybe. Oh my god! And uh, and she had a bunch. Of, so she would take like these group guitar lessons. So I remember there was a guitar around, and then these sheets with like you know dots and lines on them to show you where to put your fingers and stuff like that. So. I definitely remember that happening, and then I had an uncle, uh, Uncle Ern on my father's side, and Aunt Mame on my mother's side. They were both uh, kind of accomplished musicians locally, and of course they were both guitar players too. So wow! We, so, we, so you come from a musical family? There's some music around, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you were a kid growing up, and you first started playing, um, yeah, where were you playing what when you first started? Uh, I mean, I think most people who know me well would would say I'm, I'm more on the introverted side. So I do I did a lot of playing. You know, it was more of a kind of a personal, intimate sort of uh, pursuit. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe that's what drew me into it. You know, it was a, a way that I just found um, inner peace or something like that, even at a young age. Um, and the more I learned about it, the more I wanted to learn. It was one of those types of things. So it wasn't so much kind of out playing gigs and, and playing in public. And even I didn't really even play in a lot of bands. Like I had some friends that I'd play with growing up. Um, so mostly it was uh, kind of an internal process. And then when I graduated from St. FX, that's when I kind of got more, uh, I guess, made a little more public with things and, and you know started organizing shows and get more into the music business, I guess you'd say. And then, when did you graduate yeah. from X? Uh, that was 94, but it was still from 94 until 2004 before I put out my first album. Right. Well, I was just trying to think because the first time I saw you would have been at the Newfoundland Labrador Folk Festival in, in the late 90s, I think. Uh, that That's my first encounter with, with yeah. you. And, and uh, yeah, you were, you, and you were into the, to the Django style then. Yeah, I was probably starting to get into it then. I'm probably around that era... So I was still going to France around like the mid late nineties, huh. and uh, and I was playing around Newfoundland a lot. With a, probably if it was the folk festival in that time frame, it would have been with Danette Eddy, who was a fiddle player from here. Huh. And, um, so, but it was kind of like I just you know was playing with a bunch of different bands and stuff, and, and making a bunch of different records with them. And after going through all that, I realized, oh yeah, maybe taking you know this music I'm getting from Django and. And still, kind of, you know, mixing it with traditional music from uh, from home. Um, you know, I took what I was doing at the time and, and put up my own album in two thousand four. Right. Well, let's Can let's get that? to a flesh door. Tell us about flesh door. Uh, flesh door. So that's uh, it's kind of a wild tune. Like if you go back and listen to uh, Django, so Django only made one recording of it. Um, and I mean, even his recording history is is remarkable. Like, so you know, between the '30s and the '50s, he recorded uh, almost a thousand tracks. Wow, which is 
pretty incredible. And okay. then throughout that whole kind of discography, there's a lot of tunes of, you know, especially his own compositions that he recorded several times. Um, but this one he only recorded once, and it's more from the later later period. And actually, uh, Django got invited to uh, tour the states with Duke Ellington and his orchestra, and that was in '46, I think it was. Oh, cool. Were there ever were there recordings of any of that? Yes, there's one recording, and the story with that goes: uh, they were doing a show, I think it was in Chicago, and there was like a dentist who was also an amateur recording enthusiast. So he had like a a tape machine, basically his own personal one. And you know, nowadays you can make a record on a phone if you wanted. Yeah. Uh, but you know, back in those days, to do a recording was actually fairly sophisticated. Right. But this, so this person had a recording a machine. They brought it to the concert, and they actually did record it. And it, you know, was preserved and, and eventually released. So you can hear uh, Django with the Gallantin Orchestra. Oh, it sounds incredible, yeah. Here's Flesh Door. <laughs>
door from Jangology. That's Dwayne's uh, brand new album. Um, so, oh yeah, I wanted to ask you. So, how did you select from from the wealth of material that he had? How how did these ten tracks get selected out of out of out of the vast treasures that he had? Well, I mean, it's a funny thing, Ron, because for years, you know, like I knew about you know the whole discography that Django had. There was actually uh, the Freme uh, record label. They collected it all and put it in like a, I think it's a 21 CD kind of box set. And uh, you know, I've always said, you know, wouldn't it be great to just kind of wipe my calendar clean and just go in and like savor every note that Django ever recorded. And then when the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden, you know, especially as a musician, you know, life just froze uh, or disappeared. You know, yeah, really? practically. Uh, I was like, oh, it looks like I got a bit of time here. I think I'm going to go in and listen to every note that Janko ever played. <laughs> and that's what I did. So there's almost well, a thousand tracks to be recorded. Holy moly. Yeah, there's about a hundred that are original tunes. And then this album, you know, the, my idea for the Jankology album was to take, I guess it's like my favorite of the uh, hundred original tunes. And I kind of distilled them down to 10, uh, 10 tracks. Although what I did do, so there's, I think there's 10 tracks on the album uh, and nine of them are uh, covers basically of tunes that Django had written. But one, uh, which I called Swing 53, is... Um, so Django recorded several tracks that had... They were called like the Swing 38, there's Swing 42, there's Swing 39... And it was like kind of a little bit mysterious, like, what does this mean? You know, swing in a number. But then it turned out he was on a swing record label. It was the name of the label. Oh, so. And the year the year was the year that it came out. Uh, but what I did is took all of the swing tunes and took the melodies from them and kind of made this new tune based on the fragments of all of Django's uh, swing tunes. So there's one, uh, maybe it might be better to call it a co-write between me and Django, but I took kind of his melodies and, and from the swing Swing tunes and made a new tune. Um, and which one is so that? That's Swing Fifty Three. Uh, an album. Wait a minute, Swing. Oh, Swing Fifty Three. Sorry, I, that, that the ninth track. Is there right? it is. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. I I missed the Fifty Three part. Okay. <laughs> swing number Fifty Three. Is that is that right? Yep. Swing. Yes. Well, yeah. I guess. I yeah. So, yeah. This is a pretty swingy, swingy upbeat, upbeat number. Okay, yeah, why don't we take a listen to this one? And if you want to play the game, you could go and find, like, listen to Django's, definitely the Swing 38, 39, 42, and I think a 41, uh, and see if you can find the melodies from those tunes in, in uh, the Swing 53 I recorded. <laughs> okay. All right, here's Swing 53.
Ottawa Valley. Ray Legier here urging you to stay tuned to Ron Moore's Sounds Atlantic. All righty, uh, let's see. So I was then going to ask you about uh, Nymphaeus. How do, tell us about that. Now that one is uh, it's kind of a different um, different feel to that. And for me, it brings out more of Django's uh, kind of classical music uh, sensibilities, I guess you could say. Um, so he had a lot of different influences in his own style. Uh, but, you know, in that era in France and, you know, the, the kind of first half of the 1900s, um, you had people like Maurice Ravel and Claude Debussy um, who were, you know, just making some really beautiful music. Again, that was really revolutionary at the time. Uh, and Django really, you know, he was, uh, you know, found a connection with that kind of music also. So if you listen to the original version of uh, Nymphius, um that Django recorded, he did a couple of versions, but uh, there's like, you know, flute, saxophone, uh, just the instrumentation, like the instruments that he chose, uh, kind of bring more color to the recording, which is all very kind of unique when you look at his overall um, uh, kind of uh, output. Um, so, yeah, I was finding more, you know, just kind of textures and, and you know, the pieces kind of less of a jazz swing and more of a like a composed piece and there's even a, a part in there where uh so donald mclennan the fantastic donald mclennan is playing violin so we play like a double worked out like instead of an improvised solo we work we play a, a composed section that Django uh wrote so it's little little things like that in in that track and here it is
That's their for us. And you know what? It, it has been said, now that I think about it, that, 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 that many, if not most, guitar players at some point in their lives have been influenced by, uh, by, um, by Django. I mean, that's extraordinary. What, what makes that so? Oh, it's true, Ron. Like, I mean, so you get Willie Nelson is pretty open about his, uh, um, you know, appreciation and the influence that Django has had on him. Even on, was it Django and, and Waylon or Django and Merle? There's one duet that he did just recently, which is Django and Lefty, I think it's called, which is basically a tribute to Django Reinhardt right. and Frizzell. Right. Um, and even uh, Willie was in St. John's, Newfoundland. This was maybe 10 or 15 years ago now. He played a concert here, you know, at the big stadium and everything. And he's playing, like, you know, all the hits. I think he had just finished playing, like, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain or something. And I was there, at, you know, at the show. And then he just quietly, without any introduction, he goes, ba-da-da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> on the guitar. And he goes into a full, like, five-minute instrumental uh, you know, interpretation of one of Django's most famous tunes called Nuage. Wow. And he didn't even announce it after he finished it. No like, kidding. Moment of, like, I'm watching it, I'm like, is this really happening? Uh, he uh, was playing, you know, a Django uh, Reinhardt tune in the middle of the show. How surreal is um, that? So he was totally in it. And then if you listen to, like, crazy tunes like that, you can very much hear that tune that I mentioned, Nuage. Even, like, the harmony, the way the chords go in that, like, it's very much influenced. Yeah, and I've noticed over over the years that that uh, on various albums that 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 he would kind of break into to to a Django set of riffs, you know. And I, I guess yeah, like, exactly. And the way he played trigger, like his style of playing a guitar solo, is different than you know, like you know, Ricky Skaggs or or Tony Rice or someone like that would approach a guitar solo. Right. It's very much he's very much coming from Django when he when he takes those breaks on, on the acoustic guitar. Yeah, I hadn't even well, thought about Tony Rice. I mean, uh, Tony, of course. Is, oh, is well, Tony recorded, you know, he recorded Swing 42. We're talking oh, about my goodness. Earlier, oh, yes, uh, yes. Which is a Django tune. Right. And when, because uh, David Grisman, who, you know, Tony kind of has this whole uh, yes. you know, chapter, chapters of his life where he's playing with Grisman. Yes, yes. They also played with Stefan Grappelli. Um, oh, played I with Django Reinhardt. Well, so, you know, there's all kinds of connections there. Uh, but also look at someone like B.B. King. B.B. King very much talks about like, the way that B.B. bends the strings in his, you know, when he plays the blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear Django doing that. You know, that's where he, I mean, that's certainly something that is goes deep into the blues style. But there's a way that Django did it that uh, that got B.B. as well. Uh, but you can, I mean, and you can go into like heavy metal and the guitar player from uh, Black Sabbath, really? uh, Tony Iommi. So, he, oh. you know, they're a renowned metal band. but uh, young Tony Iommi, the guitar player, was working in a factory. The story goes over in England, and he had an accident, and he actually had the tops of his main two fingers cut off wow. in the factory accident. And so he was still, you know, an aspiring musician. And, and um, uh, but the, I think the manager at the factory said, you know, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that, uh, Tony. Too bad that happened. But check out this guitar player, Django Reiner. <laughs> He only has two full fingers, and you know he wow. figured it out. So there's, so there's hope. So Tony wow. only took that as a source of inspiration and figured out how to work with what he had. That's extraordinary. Tell us about uh, let's put a couple t- together here: Fleur d'ennui and uh, Place de Bouquet. If you'd speak to us yes. about those two, uh, Fleur d'ennui. That's a nice one. So that's got. Uh, 
like jazz, you know, has swing is kind of the, you know, the word that you'll hear when you talk about the rhythm of jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also there's a lot of kind of um, South South American, you know, Latin rhythms that sometimes come in. So this one has a little more of that kind of Latin feel feel to it at the beginning. And uh, and it features Donald again, Donald McClendon on the fiddle, and Jim Vivian, who's a fantastic bass player uh, from Newfoundland, but he lived most of his life up around Ontario, where he was, uh, uh, well, actually taught at U of T in, in the jazz department there. Really? Uh, but then we had the good fortune of having him move home uh, uh, during the pandemic, so huh. uh, we're able to get him on, on the sessions here when we recorded it. How did you come across these fellas, Dwayne? Well, you just mentioned uh, Jim. Uh, how about Darren and and Donald? Are these uh, are these Newfoundlanders? These fellas? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so Darren Booby Brown is playing the rhythm guitar, and he's just an old friend from uh, from St. John's. Uh, so we've been playing together forever. And then Donald McLennan, who's the fiddle player, uh, he's from uh, Chimney Corner in Cape Breton. And uh, we just, you know, would meet each other kind of crossing paths on the road over the years. And hmm. he's, so he's still based in uh, in Dartmouth now, but he played a lot with like Ben Kaplan and the Modern Grass. Um, so kind of still in that, you know, kind of a little bit bluegrass, a little bit jazz. Huh. Um, and uh, yeah, so we would just, you know, kind of just met each other from, from the music scene, really. But, you know, it's been probably 20 years ago since we first met. Oh, really? Uh, but but I always enjoy playing together. And then, you know, when I thought, okay, I'm putting together this uh, this Django Reinhardt kind of tribute album, you know, who who would be the best, uh, Stefan and Donald? Uh, you know, again, I can't, can't rave on enough about how fantastic he is, as you'll hear in all of these tracks. Yes, indeed. Um, yes, yeah, he does a, a nice job uh, on playing the parts that Stefan would would play. Um when you, uh, I'll get to the tour later because because you're going to be touring this. Uh, w- would these fellows be on tour, or would you have others? How's it going to work? Yeah, touring is still, uh, you know, it's still something that hasn't quite settled down. I mean, it's always been a little bit bit of a wild uh, a wild game, you know, just trying to get things planned out and deal with logistics and all that. Um, but so for this tour, uh, I've set it up in kind of like in two legs. So for the first uh, three shows. Uh, they'll be over in Nova Scotia, and Donald uh, is on board for those, along with another mutual friend, uh, Michael Dalton, who's a rock-solid rhythm guitar player, oh. and plays in this style as well. So uh, we'll be doing those first three shows as a trio okay, uh, with myself, Donald, and Michael. And then for the following two shows over in uh, Bayvert, uh, Bay, Bayvert, New Brunswick, which I just... I didn't know there was such a place. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so I know Bayvert, Newfoundland. Exactly, yeah, and uh, and there's a lovely little bistro there, the Chatelain, so we'll do a night there, um, nice. and then over in Charlottetown, but uh, it's, you know, again, I'm just so thrilled because uh, we have the good fortune of having Ray Legier, uh, who I'm sure is no stranger to your listeners. Oh, he certainly is not, and he's one of the best fiddlers, I think, in the country. In the world. Uh, well, you're, you're right. Of all time. You're absolutely, you're and absolutely right. He's sounding better than ever. Uh, you know, we crossed paths at the ECMAs uh, a couple of months ago. Right. Playing then. And so even though Ray comes from, you know, like bluegrass is, you know, that's kind of what he what he eats and breathes and sleeps. Uh, you know, he's still fantastic with, he's such a diverse musician too. And he's got a, a fondness for, um, 
uh, Django and Stefan and the swing jazz too. So to hear him stretch out on those things. Oh, wonderful! You know. In fact, I, I forgot, but I, I saw you and and Ray at uh, at the CMAs in Fredericton. I watched right. them both. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Oh, that's wonderful. Aaron, and Aaron Power is going to join us for those two shows. That's my partner, Aaron. We also play the Swing and Bells together, our, our children's group. Right. Uh, so she'll come up for those couple of shows with Ray. Isn't that Tom Powers' to... uh, sister? That's, that is Tom Powers' sister, yeah. Yeah, Tom Powers of Q, CBC yes, Q. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she's coming up for the last three shows. Nice. And the very last show is very dear to my heart because we're going back to uh, Harvey Hall, which is down near uh, Fundy Park in New Brunswick, and another old buddy of mine, Jim Blewett, who uh, hopefully everyone knows from uh, from the Isaac and Blewett uh, duo that he's been playing right. with for years. Yes, yes. Um, so Jim is going to join us for uh, for the final show down in his Isn't that wonderful? That's going to be a great tour. So everybody, uh, what you do is you go up on uh, Dwayne's website and you'll you'll see the tour dates, and uh, they'll be near to a place uh, near you. I know we have listeners in all of the areas that uh, that uh, Dwayne is going to be playing. So check the uh, check Dwayne's website. So so Dwayne is it DwayneAndrews.ca or Oh. Yeah, if you go to, and I'm a D-U-A-N-E, so D-U-A-N-E-A-N-D-R-E-W-S dot C-A, uh, DwayneAndrews.ca, and then there's a shows page there, so just click on that, and uh, we'll be in Shelburne, Halifax, Wolfville, the Everett, New Brunswick, uh, Charlottetown, and Harvey, New Brunswick. Uh, that's all like mid-late mid, cool. uh, November. And you're on Facebook, too, I think. Oh yes, all over the place there, Ron. No trouble to find me there. Yes. So, and and the schedule is there because I saw it there. Yes. Yeah. We're we're yeah. getting the word out now. Perfect. All right. Um. So let's see. We we're going to talk about uh, Fleur d'Ennui and uh, Place de Bouquet. Just a word about both, and we'll spin those. Right. So Fleur d'Ennui, you'll hear uh, Donald and Jim starting that off with fiddle and bass. A little bit of a Latin kind of uh, atmosphere there. And then uh, Plasterbrook Air is a wild one. Uh, it's one of those two, like if you tried to count it, like theoretically, it's, it's a bizarre kind of rhythmic thing going on, which we still don't know. But it feels great when you play it. And just check out Donald Solo in that one. Cool. All right, here we go.
Hey folks, this is Mark Hiscock, solo performer and accordion player and singer with the band Shanty Ganock here in St. John's, Newfoundland. And you're listening to my longtime friend Ron Moores on Sounds Atlantic. So kick up your feet and enjoy some of the best music that Atlantic Canada has to offer. And as we say here in Newfoundland, let her go for the gullies. I remember the days of my childhood When it sailed across the water so grand Place de Bouquet, and we backed it with uh, Fleur d'Henri, and we're working our way track by track through uh, Djangology with Dwayne Andrews uh, from St. John's. And I thought we would, uh, let's see, uh, put a couple more here together. I want to send these out to our our listeners in France. Well, we have a, a rock-solid set of listeners in France. This is for you. Montagne de Montagne Saint-Geneviève and diminishing. I, I must say, you know, when we talk about Paris, I, I can't resist saying that Paris is one of my all-time favorite cities. It's a magnificent city. It's no wonder this fabulous music comes from there. Tell us about uh, Montagne Saint-Geneviève and diminishing. Yeah, well, Montagne Saint-Geneviève is uh, there's a legendary kind of collection of pieces that Django wrote. They say that he wrote them before uh, he, you know, had his accident. So he was, uh, you know, as a, 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 you know, when he was like 12, he was making records with 
um, the accordion players around Paris at the time, and wow. he played a, a six-string banjo. So he was like, you know, the first call accompanist for all the accordion players in Paris wow. uh, when he was, you know, still a teenager, young Holy teenager. Cow. And um, he, uh, so he was already accomplished, but then he had this accident uh, where he was trapped in a fire. Basically, the, the caravan he was living in kind of caught on fire, and he escaped, but he had his whole left side, you know, severely burned. Oof. Uh, so that's when he recovered from that. He managed to keep his hand, but he only had the full use of his first two fingers. Oh. And he could move his smaller ones, but he didn't have any feeling in them. Wow. But before the fire, uh, they say he, there was a series of, uh, of tunes that he wrote. Um, and it's through, you know, the kind of younger musicians who, who were his contemporaries who recorded them after he died. That's where, you know, so they kind of survived, I guess you could say. Uh, so I learned him from the playing of uh, Barrow Ferrez, another guitar player from kind of a similar similar soil as Django. Um, so this is basically it's a tune that he wrote as a teenager, and it just sounds you know very charming and dazzling. Uh, that's Montaigne Saint Genevieve, and then diminishing is like a swing number, so more kind of a, you know straight ahead jazz, but just has this really kind of peculiar ambiance uh, that, it, that it creates. Here are Montaigne Saint-Geneviève and Diminishing. Thank you. 
Diminishing, we backed it with uh, Montaigne Saint Genevieve, and let's see, uh, Anuman is that Anuman or is that Anuman? I'm not sure how that gets pronounced. It, that is another mysterious one, uh, and I think it might refer to there's maybe like a mystical monkey or something like that from Indian culture, or oh. you know, uh, there's definitely yeah the Anuman or Anuman. Uh, is uh, yeah some kind of character? I forget exactly what sort of lore it relates to, but um, that's one reference to it. And then others say because this was, it might be from the last recording session that Django did. I should check my facts, but I just remember when I, I was listening to you know all the music he recorded and especially the original compositions that he wrote. 
um, that one really stood out as kind of his. It might, I think, it's his last composition that he recorded, and it might also be recorded on the last recording session that he ever did. So it's kind of if you compare that to his early ones, uh, you know, you well compared to Jangology, which is from you know the early or the mid thirties, mm. and then Anuman is from the fifties. Mm. Um, so you can really hear this kind of development of his of his sound. Um, but just a gorgeous, uh, you know, kind of more of a ballad, more like a Miles Davis almost, uh, cool jazz type of, of ballad. But this, of course, pre- precedes all of that. Here's a new man. That's Anaman, everyone. And we are down to our last track. And I've saved this last track for last. It's the actual uh, number uh, eight on the album. It's called Improvisation Number no. 7. And uh, it's just being released as a single. you want to speak to us about this? 
Yeah, and you know, I mean, so much has changed with the music industry, and you know, we still make albums, but you know, usually they're released as singles, which then eventually get packaged as albums. So I've just been exploring that as a a new way to kind of share music with people. Um, it's been working great. Uh, so yeah, so the latest single that has come out is um, Improvisation Number no. Seven, and I mean, it's a bit of an odd name. And again, in the in a similar way that there's been a bunch of swings that were like swing 42 and 38, swing 39, and all that. There's also improvisations, you know, from one to seven that that are in this discography of Django's. Um, and it sounds like you know probably they were just in the studio, maybe they had you know an extra couple of minutes, and they're like Django, just play something. So they're they're usually solo performances just by Django on the guitar. Um, they sound like they're improvised, but this is the bizarre thing about this one. So there's an improvisation number two and an improvisation number seven. And they're, they sound like they're the same musical ideas, like they're a little bit different in the way that they're performed. But usually an improvisation is just a spontaneous thing that, you know, someone comes up with, you know, in the moment uh, on the spot. Hmm. Uh, so this sounds like there's something maybe that will, either he did it first as an improvisation and then maybe would play it as a, you know, use it as a, as a recurring piece or something. So it's a little bit odd, you know, the title is a bit weird, you know, is it an improvisation even is questionable, but it just sounds gorgeous. Uh, and it's an example too, because even though Django usually is a flat picker, really, like he played with a pick, uh, occasionally he'd, he'd do some finger style uh, playing. So this piece is, is done in a, in a finger style so. guitar approach. Before we spin it, I, I want to uh, remind everybody uh, to check out the tour schedule either on Dwayne's website, so that's dwayneandrews.ca, or on his Facebook page, and uh, and pick pick up a concert near you or two, and uh, go off and and see. You'll be lucky when you do. I guarantee you. And and I want to say thanks a whole ton for taking the time to do this. I'm, carved out a piece of your day here. Appreciate that very much, Dwayne. It's always fun to talk to you and catch up about what, what you're up to, and as long as you're doing this, uh, we'll be doing this. So there you go. Oh Well, thank you very much, Ron. It's all very much uh, appreciated, all your, your efforts in helping uh, just share the music. It's great. Uh, much appreciated. Here is Improvisation. Go see him.
Hello folks, my name is Anita Best and I'm a traditional singer living in Grossmore National Park in Newfoundland. You happen to be listening to the fabulous Sounds Atlantic with the effervescent and debonair Ron Moores. How lucky are you? Well, that's the conclusion of episode 212 of the Sounds of Lally podcast. Hope you've enjoyed our interview with Newfoundland's Dwayne Andrews. And thanks to all of you who have been listening in from across Canada, the U.S., the U.K., Ireland, France, Germany, the Russian Federation, Australia, Denmark, and Kenya. And welcome to all of you who have tuned in to the 10 most listened to cities last weekend. Uh, they were Toronto, Chicago, Port Moody, British Columbia, Montreal, Quebec, London, England, Heights, down to Jersey, Conquered, Alberta, St. John's, Newfoundland, Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Eagle Point, Oregon. Thanks to all of you new listeners who we welcome from Eagle Point, Oregon, Cologne, Germany, Coburg, Ontario, La Saint-Sur-Mer, France, Stratford, PEI, Saranac Lake, New York, South Augusta, Ontario, South Bayside, New Brunswick, and Trinity, Newfoundland, and Labrador. Just ran through Trinity a couple of weeks back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Lovely to know you've joined us, and I hope you'll stay tuned. This podcast is supported by CKCU 93.1 FM in Ottawa, where I host the Back 40 on Saturday afternoons. And uh, thanks to Anita Best and Gary Wilton at VOBB FM in Norris Point, where this show is broadcast. Until next week, when we'll uh, feature the amazing Fretboard Journey, in John's Newfoundland. I'm your host, Ron Moores, urging you to keep on the sunny side. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you back here soon. Mm-hmm.